On episode 216 of the Goblin Trash Masters, we talk all about Magic Arena and how to use it as a tool to help you with this upcoming standard season, and how to keep yourself on a solid budget. Hurry up, you're taking too long. What, uh, what, what are you doing there, Anthony? He's being the rope in real life. That's just rude. You know, I have half a mind to come over there and wallop you good. Hurry up, you're taking too long. You know, what happens if I just mute you and keep talking? Oh, don't do that. He's just going to force you to pass priority. How would that even work? It's not like he can actually force me to pass priority. Let's talk some trash. Hey, nerds, it's us, your favorite trashy goblin people that yell about rectangles and stuff. I love yelling about rectangles. I love rectangles, and I hate them. We love yelling about a lot of things. And mostly yelling. Yeah. Mm. Yelling's fun. It freaks people out. It clears out the restaurant real quick, so you just get it to yourself. Media choices, pop culture references, you know, all kinds of things. As far as your trash masters go, I'm Anthony. A standard enthusiast and uh, general garbage person. I'm Kyle, the modern maestro and the dog dad. I'm Ashley, the lady goblin, and I am the pioneer Stan, who is new to standard and very much looking forward to it. And how will we be playing standard when we're not yelling at people in real life? Well, probably Magic Arena. Which segues great into our topic. Yes. Yes, it does. <laughs> Segways from what to what? But <laughs> that's what. <laughs> MTGA, Magic the Gathering Arena. It's a magic client made as an alternative, but not a replacement to Magic the Gathering Online, a.k.a. MTGO, Magic the Gathering with Digital Objects. And it was released to select beta users in November of 2017. Who else had the beta for Magic Arena? Didn't, actually. I did not. Oh, bummer. Sucks to be you. Yeah. <laughs> I mean... It generally sucks to be me sometimes, so you know. I had the I had the Magic Arena beta myself. Um, nice. So it was weird because um, they would reset your collection every so often. That's bizarre. The beta, yeah, it was interesting. But like, if you put any money in, you would just get your gems back. Oh, okay. I mean, at least there's that. Something at least, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was really cool, honestly. Um, hmm. because when Magic Arena first started, it was very esports-y. It still is, to an extent. A lot of, I mean, a lot of cards had wild fucking animations and shit that when you yeah. played them, they would, like, explode yeah. out of the card and do a thing, and I'm just mm-hmm. like, oh my god, stop it. No, no. Yeah, please don't. <laughs> that was very annoying with covering the entire thing, and you're just like, I need to be able to read these cards so I can make the decision for... My like, next nope. turn, like, and, I mean, it was pretty. I will give them that, but very annoying. Previous iterations, attempts to digitize Magic the Gathering have all had a similar issue. They were trying to translate tabletop gameplay into a digital environment, and it was slow. It was, it was so fucking slow, guys. It took forever. Magic Online is so slow. really yeah. is. Yeah. With the constant manual passing priority back and forth, mm-hmm. having yeah. to click OK, because... In tabletop magic, we cleanly and intuitively will shortcut things easily. The computer, which is mostly just a collection of stupid rocks getting electrocuted, by the way, just doesn't have like the holistic understanding of what the game is that it needs Mm. to be able to handle that stuff. Arena is built on a GRE or a game rules engine that allows for a much more zoomed out view of the game rules than like MTGO has, right? We talked about MTGO and how that was designed from the start in that every card just has its own pearl scripts for how it interacts with everything else pearl scripts yeah for those of you that don't remember from our mtg episode each individual card is programmed with just an amazingly long list of scripts in a programming language called pearl it's incredibly confusing incredibly antiquated like ancient old like not very efficient that it ha- interacts with, uh, that t- defines how that card interacts with every other card. It is not a very scalable way of setting up a game because every time a new card is inter- is created, you have to write a bunch of Perl scripts for it for how it interacts with everything past and future. Okay, so I vaguely remember us covering this and definitely talking about it, but 
it's probably spaghetti in my brain. So, you know. Probably got distracted by all the Wall of Roots fan fiction that Anthony was was talking about. So <laughs> Yes. Yeah. Now, worth noting, you could uh, accurately describe the programming on MTGO as spaghetti, and that would be fair. You would you would reasonably call that spaghetti code. Nice. I accidentally did a did a cool reference. <laughs> um the good news here is that MTGA's GRE or game rules engine allows for easier expandability, makes it less work for them to get a new set out. And doesn't require huge reworks, aka refactors, as large as in the case of a massive rules update. Like when they mm-hmm. changed, when Shadows of Innistrad changed how flip cards, the back half doesn't have a mana value of zero anymore. It has the same mana value that's on the front side. Mm. A rules update like that would mean a lot of overtime for people working on Magic Gathering online and not so much for the group working on Magic Gathering Arena. But we know that a lot of folks here want to play Arena because, A, it's it's a fun video game, right? Yeah, it's it's a it video is. game. Yep. Mm-hmm. And B, it's also a good way to kind of jam some games in anticipation of your standard RCQ season. That's right. You can play a lot on Arena, which is nice. It's so easy to... It's like playing on Magic Online is way easier than playing in paper. Yes. And playing on Magic the Gathering Arena. It's way easier than playing on Magic Online. You press two buttons and you're there. Uh-huh. Um, so our goal for this episode, we're talking about uh, the basics. For mm-hmm. some of you all, this might be your first time interacting with Magic Gathering Arena. And for some of you, it might be your first time using it as like an actual testing tool rather than just as like a vaguely Magic-flavored video game. Um, there are a bunch of formats that you can play on Arena your constructed formats and stuff like that. We don't talk about Brawl. The historic Brawl. Gross. So our constructed formats are Standard, Explorer, Pioneer Light, Historic, Timeless, Brawl, and Historic Brawl. You should use Arena for Standard and Limited, in my opinion. It's a perfectly fine way to get a feel for a format or even a deck. And uh, if you want to just jam some games and do some testing with somebody... Handing a lot of those logistics to Magic Arena and having them take care of stuff for you is great just through direct challenges. Like, I just mm-hmm. want to play a bunch of matches of this one matchup. I'm just going to direct challenge Ashley a bunch of times. And yeah. then we don't have to worry about getting cards together for this or that and sleeving stuff and handling the shuffling and this and that. We can play our games very, very, very quickly that way. Um, yeah. The other formats that exist are probably very fun, I guess. Um, <laughs> but I don't touch them. I do not give a fuck about Historic. I do not give a fuck about Explorer. Hit me up when Explorer turns into Pioneer, and then maybe. Because like even when they say they're done turning Explorer into Pioneer, it won't be exactly the same. Because there will be cards that are legal in Pioneer that are not legal in Explorer. It'll never fully be Pioneer. It, I mean, like there's Ashley no said. reason it shouldn't fully be Pioneer, but yet, Online. I believe they're going to call it Pioneer long before it's Pioneer. Yeah, yeah. Did they say why they did that? Like why they kept certain cards that are specifically not, or that specifically are Pioneer, but kept it out of Explorer. Uh, because they have, because they're Pioneer, because they're Pioneer legal cards that were printed in sets before Magic Arena became a thing. And they are, mm. they are cards that are not currently played in Pioneer. So they didn't bother. They keep doing like the Explorer anthologies to like creep it close to like, as they said, tournament Pioneer. But it yeah. will never be fully Pioneer. But, you know, you can, there are some decks that like the exact 75 that are legal in Explorer or legal in Pioneer, but it's not like jamming a Pioneer League on Moto. So it's yeah. almost Pioneer. And Historic is like not even a real format anymore. There's fake cards in there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Arena is technically not a subscription service. But if you imagine it is, then you can realistically play most standard decks for 25 bucks a month. Assuming, and we're going to go over this budget and detail, but that's the first thing I want to talk about, is how to play Arena in a way that is affordable and reasonable. Um, assuming you jam $100 in gems per standard release, draft occasionally when there's like a deal or something, and play regularly to get those daily rewards, you should be able to play most standard decks. And I don't mean... When I say most standard decks, I don't mean there are some standard decks that are going to be too expensive and off limits for you. I mean, like, you're going to be able to build with $100 per set release. You're going to be able to build 
almost all of the decks simultaneous. Like you're okay. gonna have enough that you can like if there's ten real decks in the format, you can probably build nine of them. Wow, pretty easily. Yeah, the hundred dollars in gems easily easily lets you play whatever one deck you want for the format immediately, oh, yeah. right mm -hmm. off the bat. Well, that's good for me to know because I don't have a very large collection on Arena, so I'm still, mm -hmm. I'm working on it. I honestly do the 50 bucks a month plan, TM. It's not actually a plan with them. I just buy mm -hmm. $200 worth of gems every set release mm -hmm. and then open the most recent set of packs. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that means that I have enough for literally every standard deck. Every season. Because okay. every time you open the packs, you get the, the cards from that set. But you also, Arena has a specific amount of packs you open. You get rare and mythic wild cards that helps yeah. you craft the rares and mythics you need for these standard decks. And, you know, it does not take long for you to get all those cards that you need. Um, okay. Every other format, in my mind, does not prepare you for meaningful, in any way, for a paper constructed deck. And it makes the game way more expensive. These other formats exist exclusively to tempt you to burn wild cards. That is why they are there. So you have to put more money in before you can go back to using Arena as a real tool to help with paper money. They want to give you the flashy things. Mm -hmm. It's a trap. Admiral mm -hmm. Akbar, it's a trap. Like it's it's just it's like a cash grab type thing. You know, they just want you to play like, oh, here's this shiny new format. Spend like ten wild like ten rare wild cards on this, like that format that doesn't exist in paper. It doesn't give you any meaningful practice or testing or just help you in any way. Or in the right. case of the uh, or in the case of the arena specific designs, actively makes yeah. you worse. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. And like we talked about in Standard Sunrise, if you play standard, you have those cards going forward for to play other things too, if you want to. So like if it were to change in any way, you could still play more pioneer. Yeah, you you just play light. Yeah. You can still do it, you know? Um you just playing standard yeah. helps you play those other things for fun if you so choose. But just, mm -hmm. you still have it the makes things them, that you need to play standard. It makes right. them cheaper, yeah. Yeah. Sure. yeah. So if you were to treat Arena like a testing tool, it is extremely useful and way cheaper than Magic Online. Mm -hmm. When people spend more money or struggle to put together, uh, decks together or both, it's usually because they've strayed from the path I'm about to describe, right? Think about it like going to the movies. You can see a movie for two people with 20 bucks. Okay? Mm -hmm. But when was the last time you actually spent $20 for a trip to the movie theater? Never. You get suckered in with candy and drinks and popcorn. Mm -hmm. My first suggestion is that you're trying to use Arena as a tool to help prepare for a standard season on a budget. Then you skip the $8 popcorn at Historic, the $6 soda that's Explorer, and the $80 Avengers Unlimited Refill Goblet of Cosmetic Packs. I do not go to the movies a lot. I understand that my <laughs> examples were probably very bad. Well, Avengers Endgame came out four years ago, but close enough in Anthony time. Yo, oh my God, it was so bad. I was in a group <laughs> chat of Magic players, <laughs> and someone was talking about how much they loved Endgame, and I was like, yes, I <laughs> love Endgame. Oh my God, that's so cool. Like, absolutely adore Endgame. And they were just like talking about it. And I was like, what the fuck are they talking about? Somebody's flying around and doing some dumb shit. What the fuck? I was like, what are you talking about? None of that shit happened in Endgame. And then I realized he was talking about the superhero movie and not the Samuel Beckett play. Of course. I was just course. very excited that there was going to be that there was a that there was a fellow French absurdist theater fan in the group <laughs> chat. But apparently it was, a, it was a fucking superhero movie. It was. Also, the most recent refill goblet they had was a Taylor Swift Eras Tour one. How much was the refill goblet? Uh, it was definitely six something, at least. Or, sorry. 600? Yeah, it was six. No, $6? No, 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 no. It was definitely like, yeah. Well, that's not bad. That's, that's not bad. Actually, not terrible. <laughs> yeah. I thought it was going to be like 20 bucks. Actually, <laughs> speaking of Taylor Swift, we've I've solved a mystery from a long time ago. Do you remember that time where for my birthday you were trying to buy me tickets to the 1975? Yes. And they were like $400. Yeah, it was because uh, it was because Matt Healy was dating Taylor Swift at the time. Oh, that <laughs> makes so much sense. Yeah, I was like, I love you. I want to do this. But also, um, this is <laughs> you're just like, crazy. wait, why? Because <laughs> like the day before you could see like uh, you could see yeah. a show for like 30 bucks and the day after it was like 15. And you're like, why? Why is this yeah. $400? And it's Taylor Swift. Mm -hmm. It's all her fault. 
Has anyone seen the Meat Canyon episode on Taylor Swift? No. No. What is that? Okay, Meat Canyon does small animated episodes of, I I don't know, surrealist comedy. Mm -hmm. (laughs) This is one where uh, Taylor Swift was at a football game at a Kansas City Chiefs game to watch Travis Kelsey, and he whispers to a teammate that he thinks he's going to break up with Taylor, and (laughs) the entire stadium is full of Swifties who get a hold of this secret and then simultaneously start experiencing Taylor's emotions for her, like in the end of Midsummer. Oh my God. And then oh Taylor and then Taylor twists into some sort of uh, uh, gruesome monster and her mouth swings open and it starts playing a breakup song called You Were My Touchdown. Oh no. And then she eats him. God. That's, that's amazing. I can't recommend I can't recommend Meat Canyon enough. Oh, that's that's fantastic. Great. Yeah. <laughs> I might have to try that. Um, my recommendations for Arena are gonna assume a few things. First, that you are using Arena to help you with paper play. And second, that you're operating on that $25 a month budget. If you're operating on the $50 a month budget, just double the things I'm saying. And the third is that you have a basic degree of self-control. Because if you're buying like cosmetics like pets and sleeves and stuff, there's nothing I'm sorry, you're just too stupid. No pets. But Anthony, the little dragon pets are so cute. Listen, listen, listen. I think it is a-okay to buy cosmetics and games and stuff like that. I just think that if you buy cosmetics and games and stuff like that and then can't afford to play the game the way you need to because of the cosmetic, I'm just like, I don't know what to to say to you. You're just Mm -hmm. operating in a different world than I am. I haven't actually bought one. I just wanted to poke the bear. Yeah. Um... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the now, bear is also cute. like lots lots of people lots of people will buy cosmetics and stuff like that and then still be able to play the game fine but just sure. like understand mm-hmm. that every cosmetic you buy is likely to be the difference between being able to play another deck in that yep. standard format mm-hmm. or being able to draft once more first things first buy gems at the hundred dollar level only if there were Best a deal. bigger yeah. gem level if you could buy more than a hundred dollars in gems at a time i would but that is the max one. Every other bundle of gems is a worse value. And you know how much you're spending over the course of the year. So like you're doing this three times per year. Mm-hmm. So just buy three 100 packs rather than, you know, 15, $20 packs, right? You get more right. bang for your You're spending the same amount of money. Yeah. You're spending the same amount of money. You're just getting more. And buy those gems as soon as a new set is released on Arena. Second thing, like we mentioned before, no cosmetics. You do not have room for it in this budget. You can go over the budget, go nuts, do whatever the fuck you want. Um, The third thing, you will get a lot, and I mean a lot, of garbage common and uncommon Mm -hmm. wild cards built up very quickly, especially if you're sticking to this plan. Now, in a deck that you're building, you might need to cash in like three or four uncommon or commons, but like you're going to have like 300 of them, okay? I recommend... um, before you open packs for a new set, if you have a bunch of those common and uncommon wild cards sitting around, just go onto Reddit and get the deck lists for all of the commons and uncommons for a new set. It'll have like mm-hmm. play sets of each common, play sets of each uncommon. And you can find them every set release on Reddit. You just import that deck and craft all of the commons and uncommons before you open it. Okay. So you've got a play set. Like if I'm about to crack a bunch of stuff for Lost Cap, instead... Before I open a single pack, I have a full playset of every common and uncommon for Lost Caverns of Ixalan. So why do that? If either you've cashed in those common or uncommon wild cards or you're skipping it because you don't have a ton built up of those wild cards, you buy your packs. You get the largest pack bundle that you can afford with your gems of the most recent set. And you open them all. And you might be thinking, but I'm opening a ton of the commons and uncommons that I literally just crafted. Why am I doing this? Why did I burn these wild cards crafting these if I'm about to open them in these packs that I'm opening? Um, because whenever you have a unique playset of cards from any given set, further copies that you open contribute into your vault progress. So if you craft those in advance, then all of those commons and uncommons you're opening from the set. Like, let's say I have a playset of every common, every uncommon from Lost Caverns of Ixalan already. Every common right. and uncommon I open in a pack from Lost Caverns of Ixalan, instead of adding stuff to my collection, is contributing towards my vault progress okay it's your so what you're effectively doing is you're trading in common and uncommon wild cards for rare and mythic wild cards it's not at a great rate you know it's costing you like it's costing you like a hundred commons 
it's like a hundred commons to a rare or whatever. Yeah. But like you would snap off that option if you had it. Oh, hundred percent. Especially yeah. if you're yeah, especially if you're getting commons and uncommons at that rate, you know, of the wild cards where you just yeah. have so many because you're already doing this, right? Yeah, you're basically able to through this method upgrade your common and uncommon wild cards into rare and mythic wild cards where they're a little more useful. Um I also recommend you only buy the most recent set. And the reason I recommend that is as you're buying cards from the most recent set, you get these golden packs, these bonus packs for mm -hmm. buying those that the have rares and stuff good, in yeah. them. So mm -hmm. you okay. if, if you're buying the if you're buying any set, you have a rate at which you accrue mythics and rares. rare wild cards. Mm -hmm. And when you're buying packs from a new set, it's almost double that rate with those golden packs. Mm -hmm. Oh wow. It's like a really good deal. Um, the fifth thing, you start building decks. Build a deck all you want, as many decks as you want, but don't actually click craft all until you're about to play it. This is not paper. Mm -hmm. You don't have to buy cards in advance and like wait two weeks, three weeks. It's TCG player, a month and a half before <laughs> they show up. You can buy any card instantly on this uh, client. Never craft a card that you're not immediately about to play. And the sixth thing, you play. You play some games. Always play, play ranked. The ranked rewards ain't shit. But you really just want to be playing against the best players you can. Right. Um, stick with ladder play. Uh, the leagues where you pay some gold and enter. Not great. And then play yeah. five and they cash out. They're not great value. And they kind of lock you into a deck for a chunk of time. Hmm. And always play best of three. Best of one is completely different. It's a different, yeah. Best of yeah. one is a different game. It's yeah. not. It's not the same game. Uh, you mm -hmm. repeat step five if you need to, and just mm -hmm. you know build some more decks, play some more games. You know. When I found playing best of three ranked, you ran into more of the standard decks, and unranked, you just run into wild, crazy things. You're yeah. just like not trying absolute to play nonsense. Against, you know? Yeah, it's like it's not helpful if what you're yeah. playing arena for is to like actually play standard. You're just playing a bunch of stupid shit. Right. And that's fun for them. Like, that's what it's for, right? But, like, for us, sure. in this context, like, we want to be playing against... We want to be playing players, against the decks yeah, we're going to yeah. play against in yeah. paper. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, daily uh, quests are a good way to earn gold. Uh, you can always, like, re-roll a quest by clicking on it. Yes. It's very nice. Um, they'll either, either offer you... Yeah. They'll either off offer you 500 or 750 for each quest. If it's 500, just re-roll it. If you're try, playing a little bit each day, yeah, it'll rack up quickly. If you're in there daily, you should also take a look at daily deals. Whenever you're in there, just check daily deals. Most of the time, it's going to be a cosmetic that you can ignore. But then sometimes it's going to be just like a good value. Like they'll just give you like a draft token for like 20% yeah. of the price. Mm -hmm. Or gems are cheaper or packs or... are cheaper. And there, there are some good, good deals, but yeah. most of the time it's just stupid cosmetic stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's one time where I went in and the daily deal was buy 500 gold, cost 100 gold. Yeah, I remember that one. Hmm. That was nice. They're very rare, but <laughs> sometimes they're there. It's like the shiny Pokemon yeah. of deals. So whenever a new set comes out, you just repeat the process. You'll have three $100 payments every year. Breaks down to 25 bucks a month. Remember, this is a free-to-play model video game that is designed to separate idiots from their money. You will be tempted to stray from this budget. That's ex that's not bad that you're feeling tempted. That's not a sign of weakness on your part, right? Mm -hmm. That's literally what the game is designed to do. Don't take the bait. Just stay focused. Uh, stay on the path. Um, other vaguely fantasy-based <laughs> euphemisms for not getting ganked. I don't know what to tell you. Just have some goddamn self-control. We'll try. No promises. Like we said, Arena is a video. And it will look much different than if you've exclusively only played magic online or just have only played paper uh when you fire up we're, we're gonna to talk about the you know icons and gameplay what it looks like to play on arena now uh because it it's a video game like it's a map a table like there's different maps that you play on if it's ravnica it's ikoria it's eldraine it's not just a flat surface it's distracting there are things flying around there's buildings and trees and stuff like that it it's it's really leaning into the to the visual aspect of it and it's visually interesting but it it can be very distracting like i said and there's no and as far as the turn structure goes for arena it's not like mtgo where it's like just a, a line where it's like upkeep untap upkeep draw 
main phase, all that, it, there's icons. Now, in the tutorial, when you boot up Arena for the first time, it'll tell you. But as a designer, it looks good. It looks pretty. But if you don't know what the diamond and the rectangle and the swords crossing mean, you have no idea what turn you're in, 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 a, in a sense, when you, when you play Arena. What, what phase yeah. you're in? Phase. There, there we go. Did I say turn? Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. What phase <laughs> of your turn you're in? And yes, it, it's once you learn to play arena, it gets a little easier, but it can be daunting because you're just like, what do these symbols mean? What are what, what are what are these things? What was what does the buttons mean? And it's more like a video game. But in the bottom right corner, that's that's the structure of your turn. There's the the little diamond upkeep, the little rectangle, which I assume is a card. I assume the designers meant that. That's your main one. The swords, combat, and then it'll go into another thing as you play. But uh. Then rectangle again, main two, and the diamond is end. Now you can interact with this just like you would do playing in Magic Online. Instead of just mm -hmm. picking which turn or which uh, which phase in your turn and uh, like top or bottom, like in Magic Online, you pick your symbols on the bottom right or your opponents, which will be in the middle of their icon because your opponent yeah, has that. Yeah, it's going to be right smack dab top middle right, of your screen. Right. Right in the middle of the screen, right where their avatar is, all that stuff. And you can just click on the icons like, hey, I want to stop in my upkeep. Press that little button. I want to I want to stop in my main one. Tap that. My opponent's end step. Tap their end step. Upkeep. So on and so forth. It can be a little daunting when you play Arena because, like I said, it's a video game. I don't know what these buttons mean. But you've played Magic before. You'll get the hang of it. And honestly, the tutorial in Arena is not terrible. Pretty good. It's it's honestly pretty good. You got like little Navi from from Zelda, you know, just flying around telling you what mm -hmm. to do and shit. It's not that, sparky. but it reminds me of it. It is sparky. It's definitely intended to be Navi, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, like that's the first thing that comes to my mind. Yeah. Like, that's obviously what they were going after. If they weren't, shame on them. <laughs> yeah. Like, if you're looking at this, if you're looking at this little design of, you know, along a line and left to right it being diamond, rectangle, cross swords, rectangle, diamond, you're going to notice that there are some phases missing, right? The yes. upkeep icon represents your un your the untap upkeep and draw, right? Yep. Um, if there's like a specific phase or step you want to put a stop in, you just click on that icon before you reach that point in the turn. Keyword before, because it will just keep going. Um, that will, if you have a stop on there, that'll require you to manually progress through each step or phase until you pass through that icon's included steps phase yada 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 so if you want to do something on your opponent's upkeep you want to click upkeep on them before you pass the turn and the next upkeep that starts uh, your opponent's upkeep will start and you'll be asked to click okay to prompt and move through their untap their upkeep and their draw it'll give you full control almost through each of those until they get to their main phase one Let's say you want to put a stop on their main phase two because they have a wedding announcement and you want to hit it with a destroy evil before they get their trigger on their end step. You want to make sure that you click the stop on main phase two before their while their spells on the stack. Then you let it resolve. You know, mm -hmm. mm. and these these are things you'll learn just by playing the client, playing standard on arena, and you'll you'll get the hang of it. And you know, learn learn some hard lessons, but it, it doesn't take too long to to get there. But uh, like Anthony said, uh, mentioned briefly in like you having full control, there actually is a full control option uh, when you play Arena where you can just, you have full control of every step and phase within your turn. So you just have to click, everything happens, you have full control of it. There's no automation as uh, Arena usually would do. To enable full control temporarily on Arena, you can just press control and to enable it permanently, plus control, plus shift. Yeah. The, you like Like I said, it's pretty self-explanatory. The world is your oyster. There's not going to be auto no automation. Arena's not going to automatically pass the turn or go through steps and phases. You click the button and then it'll move. It's not going to tap your mana for you. It's yeah, not uh, right. anything. We'll, we'll get everything's into that. Gonna be, <laughs> everything's going to be high. It'll all be yeah, lit yeah. up. It'll have a button. You mm -hmm. have to push the button. It won't yeah. move until and you say so. It's, for what it's, a lot of people kind of refer, a lot of people I've heard, talk about full control as if it's like a magic arena exclusive thing and it's mm. really fucking not no it's not okay mm. it's it's really not because a lot of the time when you are like let's say you want to respond to your own spell 
Okay. Right. On arena, you have to put on full control mode before you cast the spell. But the same is true in paper, right? Like if yeah. I want to respond to my own spell, I have to announce before I put the spell on the stack and imply I'm passing priority. I have to say, I'm going to put this spell on the stack and retain priority. Because let's say I put a thought, this happened at the RC for me last weekend, right? I put a thought seize on the stack targeting my opponent i wanted to get my third spell cast so i could put my phoenixes back into play but the only other spell that i had was a spell pierce right mm -hmm. i can't just if i just say thought sees target you and my opponent shows me their hand i can't be like oh no i want to spell pierce my own thoughts because when i put mm -hmm. a spell on the stack i'm telling them i'm passing priority to you mm -hmm. and if i pass priority to my opponent and they pass back the spell just resolves right then and there mm-hmm so if I want to spell pierce my own thought seize, I need to say, I'm going to retain priority putting this thought seize on the stack. You need to retain priority. That is a skill that is necessary for paper in the same situations that it's necessary in magic arena. Okay. This is not a magical magic arena exclusive thing to work on. A lot of the time, people that struggle with priority tend to kind of not understand why full control is useful or... Mm -hmm. They feel like, no, wait, I was trying to do something else and it didn't let me. This is not working the way it's supposed mm -hmm. to. It is working the way it's supposed to. You just are not understanding how the stack functions. You can't just put a spell on the stack, give your opponent a chance to do something, and then interact again before your spell resolves. Yeah, and that's, that's a big reason why we're talking about stuff in Arena is because, you know, you could have played it and be like, oh, it, like Anthony said, it's not letting me do it. You might just not know you can do that on the client. You know how it works in paper, but he's like, oh, I can't do it on Arena because Arena's stupid. Like, no, you can do it, and we're giving you some tips to help you figure it out. Mm -hmm. So that's just like an important thing to note about yes. full control. Mm -hmm. That's what I love about the highlighting cards, too. It's kind of related to full control, but then also tangentially related is the highlighting helps you to see exactly what they're asking you for. So you can be like, oh, there's a button oh, this is the thing, and it kind of trains your brain to think about those things in each step as well. Yes. Mm -hmm. So it's it's helpful. It gives mm -hmm. you the choice, like, which spell do you want to counter? Which spell do you mm -hmm. want to play? Which card do you want to target? You know, things along yeah. those lines. I, which step of casting a spell am I on? Am I choosing yeah. targets? Mm -hmm. Choosing modes? Mm -hmm. uh, am I choosing mm -hmm. X? And for what it's worth, doing stuff like that on Magic Arena is the way you're supposed to be doing it in paper. A lot of people just shortcut it. Mm -hmm. The no. auto-tapper. Oh, uh, okay. So the auto-tapper in Arena is one of the best and worst things about this client. If you need to make sure you leave certain colors of mana open, then tap the lands yourself because the auto-tapper auto will most likely not do what you want it to. The auto-tapper is so stupid. You, 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 there are so many times where I've been like, it can't be this dumb. It's definitely not going to tap these lands. And it does. And I scream because my turn is over and I can't do anything. Just tap the lancers. It's so, it's so upsetting. Uh, maybe we're not going to like what I'm about to say. I think the auto tapper is very good, actually. I fucking hate it. <laughs> um, um, I think the Why? auto tapper will attempt to tap things in a pretty predictable order that pretty closely matches the order that you should be thinking about tapping your lands in. It taps utility lands last, for example. Uh, so things like creature lands and Mirix are the things that the auto-tapper really doesn't want to tap early. Hmm. Uh, following that, it tries to keep up the lands capable of tapping for the most unique colors. So your auto-tapper is going to try to tap your deserted beach for white before it tries to tap your spars headquarters for white. Um, okay. Your Mirix is going to be tapped last if it entered the battlefield this turn because at the time you're casting the spell, it's a rainbow land. It produces one man mm -hmm. of any color. So this says, hey, you're going to be able to leave up the most individual colors. Has the colors. most options. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. Um, the auto-tapper does not consider what your mana availability will be in the next turn. And lastly, for the auto-tapper, here's a thing to think about. Let's say you have a swamp and two mountains and you want to cast an Inti, Seneschal of the Sun, you know? And uh, a cut down. The auto-tapper is going to check your hand for spells. It does not care about your lands when it's decided, the lands that are in your hand when it's deciding what it's tapping. Um, and it'll say, like, how can I tap this in a way that lets you cast the most things just based on the spells that are left in your hand? So I've got one swamp, two mountains, and I'm casting an Inti for one and a red. 
and I've got a cut down that I can cast. It's mm. going to tap mountain, mountain for the NT. So I still have the black up for cut down, right? Okay. And that's correct. Uh, but let's say I have the same lands in play. I have an Inti in my hand, a cut down in my hand, and then a braid in my hand. Okay. I've got Swamp Mountain Mountain. If I cast that Inti and let the auto tapper do it, what's the auto tapper going to tap? It should be tapping both mountains. Yeah. It'll tap Mountain Mountain, just like mm -hmm. we had mentioned before. Because all it's thinking about is what spells can I cast after this in my hand? And the only mm -hmm. spell I can cast after it in my hand is the Swamp. Yeah. Uh, well, and is, it's seeing is, is the cut down with the swamp right and it's is it seeing too it's seeing that it's to a braid two for a braid as well so either way you're still tapping the two red yeah it doesn't, it doesn't it says it says oh you only have one mana left after this well we can't leave up a braid mana and cast this into because it's ignoring the other stuff in your hand so if mm -hmm. you have that hand if you have swamp mountain mountain in play and you've got an into and a braid and a cut down and a swamp in your hand you can play the swamp first and then cast the NT. And all of a sudden your otter tapper is going to tap differently, right? Because it wants mm. to leave up the cut down and the abrade. So at that okay. point, what's it going to tap? Swamp Mountain. Yep, exactly. It's going to yeah. tap the thing that lets you cast the most spells that are still in your hand that are possible to cast. Mm -hmm. So let's say you don't play your swamp first and it taps Mountain Mountain. You play your second swamp for the turn and you've got Swamp Swamp up. And you got the braid and a cut down in your hand. And you're like, fuck you, auto tapper. Why would you do this to me? And mm -hmm. the reason is, is because it operates based on heuristics. It says, this is the path I should take. If this, then that. Okay. And it ignores the lands that are currently in your hand. And it ignores spells in your hand that you can't cast. Because it is coded. Yes. That uh, language does. If this, then that. Yep, it is very heuristic based. So if you can kind of understand it, it makes sense and it doesn't surprise you very much. Um, it's worth noting that you will get a lot less frustrated if you can just kind of think about it in a clean way. And if you, my general thing here, and it might not be super popular, but if you are consistently being frustrated by the way that Auto Tapper is tapping your lands, then my take is that your heuristics on tapping mana is brought there's there's probably some there's probably you're probably off like your heuristics are off i think um like the what lands get tapped first the auto tapper follows pretty pretty uh fundamental magic principles um where people get meched up is where they like cast their spells go to main phase two play their land and the auto tapper tapped in a way they didn't want it to but if you know that if I have those one swamp, two mountains, and I'm casting this inti, you know what it's gonna, you know what it's gonna tap. You can then manually tap, right? That's that's all good to go. Last thing is if you click and drag a card like you're gonna play it, the auto tapper will hover and highlight the lands it's going to tap to play the card. Mm -hmm. So one thing that I like to do is I like to just drag, and this is how I basically learned the the go to how this thing was thinking was I was just like, what is this auto-tapper doing? I don't understand it. Why? And I would click and drag, and I would see repeatedly, what is the auto-tapper trying to do? And right. I would do, I did that a bunch, and I was able to kind of break down like how it's thinking, and I was just like, oh, okay. These are, at their core, the auto-tapper functions based on accurate and, more importantly, predictable heuristics, okay? I think that... You don't want to be surprised by the auto tapper. I can tell you what I'm going to need to manually tap stuff because I'm like, nope, the auto tapper really wants to leave up this Murex and I'm not going to be able to do Murex stuff. Mm. So I'm going to tap this Murex first and then let the auto tapper take it from there. Because it's not making your game decisions for you. It's making decisions based on the information it has and what's the most it can do with that information. Exactly. And like, could it? Could they design an auto-tapper that checked for lands in your hand and checked for spells you might be able to cast if you play a land later? It could, right? Mm -hmm. But at that point, it feels that's a line that they had to draw somewhere, right? Yeah. Between how much is the auto-tapper just doing what you intuitively want it to do and how mm -hmm. much of it is playing the game for you. And I don't know. I think that's a fine place to throw, to, for them to draw that line. Yeah. Well, and it gives you the option to have that as an assistance so you can focus on other things or you can turn it off and you can do it yourself. But I think if you go any further than that, it just becomes the games that you play on your phone that 
just do things. Yeah, you know what I mean? Be, like you just Candy Crush or whatever. Game. Yeah, it just yeah, turns yeah. into an idle game really quickly. Yeah. Um, that's that's a good point. Um, and just just remember, like there are heuristics. You can kind of tell when something's going to deviate from them. Um, if your heuristics for mana tapping are good enough, uh, then I think the auto tapper becomes a lot more intuitive. And you can always tell when it's going to, you're like, ah, no, the auto tapper is going to do something to me here. I can tell. Um, also, if you just like manually tap for everything on arena, you are going to rope out. Yes, I, I, I will agree with that. And honestly, I think I've been kind of salty, more salty with the auto tapper as of late because of all the standard I've been playing because of the pain lands. The auto tapper wants to save you as much life as it, as mm -hmm. it can. And there are times where you have two Lanowar Wastes and you just want to tap one for green. And he goes, no, it'll cost you a life. That's bad. And then it taps for colorless and you can't cast your kicked uh, Tranquil Frill back and it loses you the game. And I'm upset about that still. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, because it's going to say, it's going to say, hey, I don't specifically need green to cast this. So I'm going to mm -hmm. tap this for colorless first because it's the worst land I have. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, speaking of the rope. The rope is great. Yes. Uh, Love both players, it. Yeah. Both players have a chess clock, just like on Magic Online, mm -hmm. where if your chess clock reaches zero, you lose the math. Uh, but there's also that rope system that helps with timing in Arena that allows you to know when either you or your opponent's taking too long for an individual game action. If you reach the end of the rope, you'll pass priority wherever you are at that moment. It says, nope, fuck you, never mind. Goes to the next step or phase or gives the priority back to your opponent. Um up to three bonus ropes for each turn you pass without the rope appearing, which is, I think, a really nice way to reward players who are playing quickly with mm -hmm. extra time on, like, really difficult turns. Mm -hmm. Your timeouts, if I'm not mistaken. If you are seeing the rope while you're playing, if you're, like, seeing it consistently, that means that you are playing too slowly to finish your three-game match at your current pace, and you need mm -hmm. to play fast. So this yeah. is why I love Magic Arena for, like, a help you play faster type of tool because yeah. that rope gives you immediate feedback. It helped me. I know we were just talking about how Explorer is not the best for Pioneer, but I still played it so that I got used to the deck, right? Mm -hmm. And it helped me with that. That was one of my big goals uh, during Pioneer season was to get better at timing because Anthony was always looking at me saying, you need to take a game action. And, and he I was think, saying, I think yeah. you need to work on, your, on the time that you're taking to make your decisions. Mm -hmm. Just make one and move forward. So... Playing on there, the game won't let you, right? But I still yeah. heard Anthony's voice saying, hey, take a game action. So it started teaching me, okay, I want to beat the rope. I want to get to this before the rope even has a chance. And it's yep. a visual aid, too. Like, mm -hmm. you see it. It's not like when you play Magic Online. Sometimes you, the clock is in the corner of your eye. You forget it's there. With yes. the rope, it's right mm -hmm. in your line of vision. It's there. You know you have to hurry up. So that's a very good point because Anthony always talks about having an internal clock. Mm -hmm. I don't have one like that. It's like time freezes for me. So mm -hmm. I don't notice that passing of time and how long it's taking until mm -hmm. other people are starting to get uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And then I'm like, oh, I'm taking too long. Right. But mm -hmm. the rope is a visual cue. It tells you, you're like, oh, you're getting close to the end of the rope. And then it, it gets red. You know, yep. there's like the flashing. They like it's it, it, it like MTG Arena really tells you when, hey, do something. Like, it's that's the big thing, right? Because the rope is not there to make you feel bad. The rope is there nope. to tell you the mm -hmm. pace at which you are currently playing is not one that will allow you to finish a three-game match. Correct. You are not going to have enough time to finish your match if you continue playing at this pace. So you should, realistically, I believe, um, if you're playing at an appropriate pace, you should never see the rope. Mm -hmm. You will see the rope I think some. So, yeah. You'll see the rope sometimes, like I'll see the rope sometimes if I acknowledge, hey, this is a really important turn. There's a lot mm -hmm. of options. Sometimes I'll see the rope. Um, but for the most part, on a normal turn, no, I just never see a rope. And that just means that I'm, that's just because that of that internal clock. I'm used to, because the, the, the rope, how it appears, how often it appears or how soon it appears is tied into, will you be able to get your turn done in 20 games done in 25 minutes? On your side. Mm -hmm. And I think you'll notice that um, me prompting my opponents to about, about their speed of play and the rope are going to be really, really close to one another. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, I guarantee you the rope's going to be more accurate because it's, you know. It's an actual clock. Yeah. I mean, I was an aggro deck. I was an aggro deck going to time 
almost every time. Like, I didn't need to be doing that, but the rope mm-hmm. helped me learn. Playing with you all helped me learn. And now, like, I I rarely go to time. I was also playing um, Burn in Modern, but, mm-hmm. you know. It's and still I, I think that's, yeah, it's, it's a nice... Yeah, it's a nice way. The The rope is great and just people telling you and you're playing. You don't know you're playing slow until someone or something tells you. Like there's a visual cue or somebody says, hey, you need to do something. Because you're like, mm-hmm. I don't understand the passing of time or just like mm-hmm. I'm, I'm really in the tank right here. But like say the rope in arena or someone in paper magic is like, hey, you need to do something. You're like, oh, I need to do something. I need to play faster so I can finish games. And it's great because um, like there's nothing more accurate than the rope. In, in Magic Arena for telling you you're taking too long on an individual. Uh, like, I think I'm very good at knowing, hey, this action is taking too long. But I've played for a long time and I've judged a lot of events. So mm-hmm. I kind of have a good feel for that. But I'm never going to be as accurate as the machine that is counting <laughs> down the number of milliseconds it's been since the Unix epoch. Like, I'm just never going to be that accurate. So... If you are trying to work on your time and how you're playing, the rope is great because you can kind of tune your internal clock to, oh, no, I feel like the rope's about to show up. Mm-hmm. And as you see that rope, you get a feel for it very quick. Like my skill that I got for this took a really, really long time and a lot of fucking unintentional draws. Like I got a lot of unintentional draws um, before I became known as a much faster player. Right. And I, I really love that point. Yeah. But you people learning timing now have the advantage of there is a machine that tells, tells you, you the robot <laughs> will tell you and you'll get that sense of you'll kind of learn that and be like ropes about to show up. Need to make a decision. And you'll carry that into paper because the timing yeah. is the same. Yeah. Yes. These are all tips for you all to play arena. Please play standard. Yeah. Just this please play standard. Bar, if you want to play Ooh, faster, the space bar is your friend. If you oh. want to play arena, the space bar is your friend. I can't believe it lets can't you believe pass through that. turns so yes. quickly. The space bar definitely, that's one of my favorite parts. Definitely use the space bar. But yes. Yeah. This it's is space, arena. Careful. The space bar is just like your affirmative choice, your yes or yep. continues mm-hmm. or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, in declare attackers, though, the affirmative choice is to attack with everything. Hilariously, mm-hmm. that kind of makes sense to me. Because there's declare attackers actually has a lot of secret options, right? It's the number of options you have when you're in declare attackers is actually the number of attackers you have available plus one times the number of opposing planeswalkers. That's how many options you have in declare attackers, right? Mm -hmm. So if you have three attacking creatures and they have Mm -hmm. no planeswalkers, you actually have four different options. You can attack with none. Mm -hmm. And one through four. Yeah. Yeah. One through four. Sense. Actually, no, even no, more than that, because it, it, is. it has to be a permutation of any number of those four. Yeah, yes. it has to be an option. Oh, my Lord. So it has Ooh. to be uh, attackers, perm- any permutation of attackers you have available plus one times the number of opposing planeswalkers. So there's a lot yeah. of options there, right? Yes. And the, <laughs> the most the most truthy of all of them is attack with all, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Because <laughs> that's the most truths that you can get. Is by hitting attack with also attack all being tied to the space bar makes sense in a weird way. Yes. And again, not making game decisions for you, right? It's saying, are these able to attack? The answer is yes. So they attack, right? Mm-hmm. Like yep. that's the way that the coding is. So also, <laughs> um, weirdly, and declare blockers, uh, the space bar is no blocks. Just, just once you're in attack, once you're in combat, I tend to stay away from the space bar. Yeah. Every, that every, weird. Yeah, everywhere but combat. Yeah, yeah, space bar is 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 king. So just <laughs> space space bar means all attack and also don't block. You would think yeah, it which means seems block. Like it, yeah, but again, there's the blocks are even more nebulous than the attacks. That's true because uh, then nope, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing because, that math because it's number a permutation of number of blockers mm-hmm. plus one for no blocks. Times, times a creatures. permutation of number block of attackers. Mm-hmm. So you can Whew. double block, triple block, and not block here or here, or you can do any combination of that. So like, that one's I don't know. Worse. If they're attacking with three creatures and you have three blockers, there's probably a couple hundred different permutations of those blocks that you can go through. Huh. Wow. 
that makes that makes me feel a whole lot better about the times that I get confused about those things. Think about all the times you're doing alpha beta pruning without even realizing it. You're just like, <laughs> yes, have to be because I never think through 200 of them. I yeah, usually have like, like a top three and I'm yeah, still yeah. like the top you're, three. I have these three. They seem the best, ah, you know, like. Yeah, exactly. Because there are hundreds of different permutations of those blocks mm -hmm. that you could do that you're not even considering because they're terrible. So you should feel good about that because you are doing some pruning there. That's true. That is true. Funny how coding makes the world make sense. I think it does. We're all mm -hmm. just ones and zeros to Anthony. Well, we're all in we're all in the matrix. So, you know. Yeah. Here at the Goblin Trash Masters, we love competitive magic and we want to see it flourish. We know that there are tons of local game stores that want to run competitive events like RCQs, but might not have the resources or experience to be willing to try. Maybe they have tried, but they're a little nervous about getting back on that horse. We're excited to announce a new program all about Comp REL that we're calling the Comp REL Assistance Program, or CRAP for short. CRAP is there to help your small or medium LGS run Comp REL events like RCQs by providing them with support and materials necessary to run an outstanding event. Competitive integrity is our top priority, and we can help your store to break into the market of listeners like you. CRAP support involves either assisted hosting or remote consultation with our hosts who have a combined 23 years of tournament organizing experience. All participating stores receive a kit that contains everything they need to run a great and accurate event with things like an in-store event poster, table tents, deck registration sheets, and plenty of stickers and tokens to give out. Best of all, this assistance program is completely free of charge for your LGS and always will be. We offer assistance in the form of remote event planning via consultation or in-person hosting for stores within range of the Lexington, Kentucky area. Our goal is to do our part to support competitive magic, not to try to make a profit off of your LGS. If you think that your LGS might be interested, have them reach out to us via our website. The instructions are available at www.thegoblintrashmasters.com slash crap. That's www.thegoblintrashmasters.com thegoblintrashmasters.com slash crap. Spelled C-R-A-P. Like how a child would say shit. Wait, that's been, that, that's been like that the whole fucking time? None of you fucking told me. We can't actually have this as the name. You know that, right? Everything's printed, bud. It's too late to change it. No, 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 no. We should call it something less awful. Like uh, the competitive... Unified nerd training. Yeah, competitive unified nerd training. Yeah, that's way better. Jesus fucking Christ, you're both stupid. All right. You all ready for a guessing game? I mean, I guess. Yeah, sure. I Why not? guess. Yeah, you will guess. You will nah. guess, you <laughs> bitch. You <laughs> better. You dumb bitch. I hate you so much. Oh, shut up. Okay. All right. Here, the guessing game that we do on every episode. We have a card in our brains that we think about prior, sometimes prior. Uh, and we ask the little guessing game question. How you doing, pertains... Ashley? What? what? How are you doing? Sorry, I lied. This was vodka the whole time. I knew it. I knew it. All right. This guessing game is cards <laughs> you hate playing on arena or cards you enjoy prefer playing on arena. Where's the wheel? Mr. Vodka. While we're... uh. Spinning this wheel, I got a joke for you. Do Hit it. Me. What's green and has wheels? A green car. Grass. I was lying about the wheels. And Kyle is going first. It really was vodka the whole time. Dear Lord. All right. My hint is uh, this card is a three drop that Anthony, Anthony and I were very high on when it got previewed. It is and standard you... legal, and I have been playing it on Arena a lot. Is this one that you hate? This is one that I prefer playing on Arena. Is it Glissa? No. Is it a creature? It is. Is it gold? No. Is it black? It is. Is it Graveyard Trespasser? No. That would be a good pick, though, because nice. that whole mechanic's a lot less yes. annoying when there's a robot to take care of it yes. for you. It, it, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Spoiler, it was almost my pick. You can rule that one out. <laughs> <laughs> So it's a three-drop black creature. That you That's... and I were very high on and are still pretty high on. Oh, is it Gix? It is Gix. Yogmoth mm -hmm. Praetor. I really like playing this card on Arena, and I've been playing a lot of Gix in Standard and specifically on Arena. 
uh, it's because of the individualization of I quit. The, it's the so tracks. true. Yes, it is. Love it. It's so good. You hit them with five creatures. You're like, take action. Yes, take, take action. action. It's just like you get no. to you get to you yes. get to just pretend there's a Yogmoth's uh, yes Yogmoth's bargain yeah. in play. Yes, to be like, pay a life, draw a card. Pay a life, draw a card. Pay a life, draw a card. And it just feels so good every time you. You just click that stupid fucking orange that button. Take action. And your, and your <laughs> opponent's win percentage goes down each time. You're just like, yes, this is mine. This is Ugh. mine now. Yes. But I love playing Gix and Paper, and I just love playing an arena because of that specific aspect of that card. But yeah, Gix, I I'm know. still high on it. You and I were really high on it. Love that card. I know exactly what you mean, and I could not possibly agree more. Yay, I did it. Spin <laughs> the wheel. Who's next? The next victim. It's... Oh. Oh. It's barely. Oh, it's Ashley. me. That was a close one. Okay. Cryptic hint. I'm trying to think of a cryptic one for this. Or just a normal hint. I think I'm gonna have to go with a normal one. I don't have anything creative. Um, it is a one mana card. It has a lot of text. Is it the? Is it a Kumano faces Kakazan? My God. Oh, <laughs> yes. was that it? <laughs> it was Kumano. Yeah. That card had it's no. That card has so much fucking text. Though. It has so it much does. text on the and front and the back. <laughs> yes. So sagas are just so much nicer on arena because it helps you yeah. remember the trigger. I can't mm -hmm. tell you how many times playing Fable when I was playing Rakdos, like I had trouble remembering, you know. And it helps, and all the text it gives you the choices. You're just like boop boop boop. No, I agree. I like that pick. I, yeah, Kamano had. Yeah, I forget how much fucking text is on that cover. There's a lot of fucking text. There's so many words. Like, can you have to read them? Yeah. I and and the second one, when you cast your next creature spell this turn, that creature enters the battlefield with an additional plus one plus one counter. Fun. It's just <laughs> uh, so many things to remember. It's like okay, I have to play this in this order. So when I play my next creature, it gets the counter on at this time oh, on the turn right. after. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like it's yeah, a yeah. saga that generates a delayed trigger. Yes, mm -hmm. yes, yes. Which yes. is like compounding levels of annoying and easy to forget stuff. Yeah. Well, because when you're planning ahead for your turn, you have to think, oh, this is going to trigger on the second turn after I play it. So then I want to play this creature in this order if I want the counter for it. So much. Mm -hmm. Much. All right. The belly's Anthony. Anthony. All right. Um, my pick. For this one, as far as cards that I think are significantly better or worse playing them on Arena is I will go ahead and let you know that this is one that I think is significantly better on Arena. Okay. And it's because it sets up a delayed trigger like Ashley mentioned. That's kind of weird and annoying. Okay. Does it see, uh, does it see playing blue-white flash? No. Is it a creature? It is not. Is it an enchantment? It is not. Is it a sorcery? No. Instant? No. Planeswalker? Yes. Oh, um, is it blue black? No. Oh, okay. Planeswalker. I was thinking Kaito for for some reason. It sets up a so it's a planeswalker, correct? Yep. That sets up a delayed trigger. Does it cost six mana? Yes, it is six mana. Is it white? It is. Is it the wandering emperor from All Will Be One? Yes. The Eternal yeah, it's, Wanderer. The etern it's the plus one, isn't it? It's a combination okay. of the plus one and the, and the static ability. Oh, yeah, the static. I forgot about that. Yeah. Those two things combined make it so many. There's so many times where you have to tell your opponent in paper, no, not that. Nope, that doesn't work the way you want it to. Yep. Nope, that doesn't do the thing you want it to. Mm -hmm. um, I uh, I exiled this on your on my turn. Your permanent on my turn, it's going to come back on your end step, not my end step. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and, and it's just a bunch of things that, like, it feels like there's a bunch of, like, marginal stuff that always kind of works a little different than the way you'd expect it to, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. always slightly were slightly in your favor as the person playing the Eternal Wanderer. So yeah. that's yeah. why I like this one as a, as a Magic Arena one, because it just doesn't allow them to declare the attackers wrong. Yeah, I I really like that pick. Yeah, because I've I've run into that playing against that card on Arena recently. Yeah, those delayed blink triggers are always always weird too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now I do want to say the one I wanted to pick as the most annoying Ooh. is one where it's a gold card that play got saw play in Hanada before rotation, mm -hmm. 
and it can have up to six targets. Oh, it's the Kieran, right? Hinata is the Kieran. Yeah. yeah. This is a card that this was the best thing that you could draw after you had that Hinata in play. That made it cost one less for each target. It was the uh -huh. eight mana spell that had six generic and Hinata made it cost one less for each target. So if you had six targets, you could cast this eight mana spell for two mana and it was magma opus. Oh yeah. Oh my gosh. So you would like put the Hinata into play and then in their upkeep, you would like magma opus, target you, target three of your creatures, tap down two of your lands, make a four, four, draw two cards for two mana. That's, that's crazy. Oh my gosh. That's wild. Ooh, but they all yeah. had to be different targets. Yep. And sometimes if they didn't have enough creatures, that meant that you had to magma opus and one of the targets had to be like your own Hinata. Oops. Like you would have to target your own Hinata or you're like, my opponent had no creatures in play and I only had enough mana to, I had to do it that turn. And like, I had to do it that turn and I didn't have any creatures in play. So I was just like, I right, magma opus. We're going to tap down two of your lands. I'm going to deal one to you, one to me, one to Hinata and one to this planeswalker that I control. Yeah, I can see how that could be super it's, annoying. <laughs> but it, it was it was very annoying to have to click six different targets in the right order every time on Magic yeah. Arena. Nightmare. That's, nightmare that made. That's wild. Nightmare, nightmare, nightmare. If you like what you're hearing, be sure to like and subscribe. It helps us out a ton and makes it easier for other players like you to hear what we have to say. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon, Stitcher, Spotify, Peanut.fm, and iHeartRadio. One of those was not real, but we'll never tell. It was Peanut, wasn't it? Oh, shut the fuck up.